Life in Sense with Joe Barrett and Odette Toilette. The world-renowned bartender Tony Conigliaro creates drinks which excite the imagination and challenge our perception of what the cocktail could be. Smell is a sense that has always been important to Tony, and as we shall see, the consideration of aroma plays a huge part in his work. We visited Tony at Drink Factory, a space in North London where Tony and an array of chefs, perfumers, scientists and designers work together to experiment and push the boundaries of their crafts. We start this story, as we have before, with memories of summer holidays spent in southern Italy. these kind of really vivid memories of like kind of like very Sicilian smells I suppose like kind of figs in the morning kind of waking up in the morning and then kind of in the evening time when the jasmine came out we had this beautiful jasmine outside so I mean whenever I kind of smell those those smells that kind of takes me right back to summer holidays growing up uh, we were kind of a bit like um, street urchins in a way because uh, the only stipulation was that we had to be back at five o'clock every day to get showered and dressed because my, my auntie was a concert pianist. You know, more often than not, we would go to the concert, sit at the concerts and listen to her playing because, you know, that's what that everyone did. Um, so it was really kind of quite romantic in a way because we, we'd get up in the morning, the beach was like 200 metres away and we'd go and spend the whole kind of day kind of sitting on the beach and... Uh, kind of be brown as hell and just you know scruffy as hell but then we kind of come back and uh have to scrub up i haven't been back for like four five years now i tend to go this year so it'll be quite interesting to see uh, the relationship i have nowadays with those smells that aren't detached and in little kind of vials and stuff like that as you kind of live and breathe it so i'm quite excited about that Tony, have you developed flavour yet in your drinks, which are sea flavours? We did for a party, and it was in a it shelled out coconut, and it was almost like a, a really coconutty, buttery, almost like a slightly kind of um, suntanny kind of version of a pina colada. But on the outside, we had the smell of the ocean, but also kind of the smell of suntan oil. So kind of everyone was like, it was the middle of winter as well, so it was kind of a bit weird. People came to, came to this party and they were wandering around with these coconuts and it smelled like you were on the beach, which is great fun to kind of trip people out a little bit. We've kind of used seaweeds and things in drinks. Uh, there was a, a, a drink, I did a food pairing with the chef in Copenhagen and the dish that he presented was kind of different kind of samphires and, uh, and seaweed with it was oysters and whelks and things like that. The dish was basically based on a rock pool, uh, so we made a, a drink that kind of tied in with that, and that was we cooked the seaweed in to the like a, a version of a dirty martini. We had samphire and stuff like that in it as well, and that had a slightly you know sea smell to it. As far as making the smell, uh, to be honest, we kind of worked very closely with like perfumers and, and things like that to get these things made. I mean, our attempts fairly good but not as good as obviously kind of 
when you you know how to kind of mix different kind of things. But one of my, our favourite ones that we've uh, we've been sent is Calome One Nine Five One, which is I think the first of the ocean sea kind of ozonic smells, and that's the one you find in Dove. So, you know when you're washing and you get that kind of sudden little sea breeze thing going on, which is quite beautiful. Dove soap was almost like a starting point for for that idea. Chlorine, swimming pool, I used to swim a lot, um, two hours every, every morning and two hours every evening. The swim team, it's horrible. <laughs> so chlorine is a major one, always, always, always smelling of chlorine. <laughs> That's a really interesting one because I used to swim a lot as well. Mm. And one thing I noticed that when I came out of the swimming pool, because you, you're just in that environment for like two hours yeah. doing nothing but think about swimming, you come out and you can just, every sense is really, really heightened. It's like you against yourself, you know, against yourself, and you, it's very, very internal. A lot of it, so you kind of like block the rest of the world off. So I can see how that would. I suppose it's like kind of a form of meditation. It kind of removes you from everything else, and then uh, it dumps you back in. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it now. Actually, I don't know. I don't think they use the same kind of chlorine anymore either, because I just remember it being super, super strong. The whole reason we focus so much on aroma in the cocktails, and this is a kind of really long history, was A, I had an enormous interest in perfume, and I, you know, even as a kind of teenager, I used to collect perfumes, like those kind of weird little kind of uh, mini bottles of stuff that I used to get. I just, I don't know, it was just, I really liked the way things smelled. And I think it was as simple as that. And obviously it's kind of like it got to a stage where I would go and smell these things and I'd just go, that, that's just amazing. You know, not really kind of comprehending exactly how they'd made it or whatever, but there was something that I think translated inside my head that was kind of, I understood it was, it was almost like people would go and see works of art. I would go and smell things. And occasionally Nick, <laughs> members of my family's kind of, you know... Uh, perfumes and whatever uh just so i'd had this like almost little trophy that i could then pull out and smell as a reference to you know uh, a memory or something like that it was weird there was weird ones like jazz by yves saint laurent zerius there was obsession for women by calvin klein which i, I still think is just the most bonkers draconar because my uncle used to wear it he used to wear armani as well yes yeah, so it was all these kind of little things and I started reading about perfume before I even started bartending, so that was always an interest. You know, because I was, I was at art school, I started putting kind of aromas into the paints and stuff like that, and painting that. And part of me that, that didn't really continue, I suppose, with, with that art project, but, you know, it was kind of, you know, colours and smells and how, you know, how you fit them together. So that when we, you know, started kind of creating cocktails, I suppose there was a point at which I was really annoyed at the smell of uh, sours. It's like a wet dog nose smell that the egg white gives to a drink. So for kind of years, we, there was a, a, a colleague of mine, uh, Audrey Saunders uh, from New York, and we were kind of really obsessed with this of how we got rid of, you know, we were spritzing, we were making aromas to put on top but there was nothing really that kind of worked that was a real I suppose big starting point for you know the inclusion of aromas in drinks 
it's quite the solution was really funny actually i had a, a, a like a eureka moment i opened the fridge and you know how eggs get the flavor of anything you put in a fridge so what we do now is we get the eggs put them in tupperware and we put the aroma inside the tupperware seal it leave it for two days and by osmosis the uh, eggs pick up the flavor aroma of uh, the essential oil that we put in there when you crack them and you use the egg white separately it's got that aroma like you would truffles you know you put truffles next to the eggs so the truffles kind of flavor the eggs to kind of make the truffle flavor go longer i mean we went literally we went bonkers we were making rose flavored eggs we were making patchouli flavored eggs. we everything we could think of we were making different flavored eggs not all the results were how do you say usable would be that. but it was just enormous fun and you could really freak people out i mean we took some we made lime omelets just for a joke uh which was kind of weird but kind of interesting at the same time One of the interesting discoveries we, we made was with patchouli. You can actually use patchouli in cooking, which everyone associates it with kind of, you know, travellers or, or hippies. But it's, it, it's from the mint family. So one of the drinks we did was, was, you know, use tiny, tiny, tiny amounts of patchouli underneath mint, and it makes the mint darker and greener, which is really interesting because it just means you can... It's, it's almost like shading it slightly a different colour, so you've got a different kind of mint. Is there a drink like a standard drink people would know about that the smell is more important to the experience than other drinks well anything with a twist on but, I mean, a really good example of this is is the effect of lemon twist on top of a martini because so if you put an olive in a martini it has a completely different dynamic you know and this is a very simple drink with just you know three basic ingredients you know gin uh, vermouth and water the olive kind of, if, when you eat the olive and you try the drink, it kind of sends the drink to it like a, a slight, yeah, but that's all flavour. Whereas if you put a twist on top, you've got this, uh, you know, aromatised kind of drink that really, really swings the, the drink in a completely different direction. And if you make it probably with gin, as you're supposed to, you know, it really turns the gin into something very, very bright. Well, I think it's the simple thing like the twist is the most important because you, you, you're using essential oils. We found an amazing drink uh, that was uh, in Marcel Proust's, one of Marcel Proust's books. And he describes how when he was feeling a little bit down, he used to put little tiny little pellets of ambergris in his hot chocolate with, to you know, lift his spirits. And ambergris, if you smell it, is a bit kind of full on. But it's very deeply, you know, er erotic in a way. Uh, so it's kind of that mixed with hot chocolate with a bit of cognac. I mean... Everyone had to be very careful that evening because you just got whacked on the back of the head with this kind of set of desires that was just like... It was a very, very odd experience. But, you know, one, I, I don't think I've had a drink that has been that full-on uh, in that sense because, you know, 
chocolate smell, everyone kind of, well, a lot of people just associate with pleasure and, and things like that. But that kind of, with that ambergris sitting underneath it with the smell of cognac as well was, yeah, unreal. You know, we, we got like uh, beach found ambergris. We use that, but it's still bloody expensive. You know, and nothing comes close to that. I mean, all the all the various kind of ambergris, the fake ambergris that you can buy or, or we've had made for us just aren't in the same league. Um, at all. your most dreaded smell so your bete noir in olfaction i have a really really weird one and people get upset with me about it it's violets i'm trying to train myself to like violets again but i lived in soho for years and the smell of soho early in the morning is violets red bull and sick Uh, and i have not been able to separate those out since What's the violet smell? Where does that come from? Uh, the violet smell is uh, the it's it's a really horrible cheap violet as well, uh, but they spray the streets with it to get rid of a lot of the smell when they're cleaning the streets. Yeah, it, it's such a pity because you know it's something I should like, and there's uh, you know there's uh, drinks with it in, but you know people have made me drinks with with violet liqueur, which is obviously very perfumed, and I just can't go near them. <laughs> I think it was the first day I moved to Soho. I was like, literally, I was going, oh, my God, what is that? I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like putting the kind of, you know, civet underneath a rose uh, in as far as, you know, what you basically underpinning that is the, you know, the the smell of the the second uh, and that. So it's kind of like, it's like bad violet. Um, And because, you know, violets, um, I'd smell, you know, growing up with violet sweets and stuff like that, you know, to have that really horrible dark smells underneath what you know i associate there's there's pleasant sweets is kind of what struck me really quickly the pine is for the pine gin it's for one of the drinks uh so we infuse the pine into the gin uh, and the, the idea started that there was uh, uh, a drink called the gin and pine in a, a recipe from 1862 sorry and we took that as a starting point what we were trying to do was translate the barber shop you know the relationship between uh, the craft of the barber and the craft of the bartender is you know something that, that's kind of come back you see more barbershops and stuff like that but also there was another link that they used to serve drinks in barbershops years and years ago. What I wanted to do is kind of create a drink that had the feel of the, almost like the aftershave being slapped on you after you've, you know, which is quite an experience, you know, because it really jerks you out of the slightly sedated version of the wet hot towel, kind of livens you up. So we wanted a drink that would really kind of do that uh, and have that effect, you know, that almost that kind of, psychological effect rather than being slapped around the face with an aftershave you just kind of turn on by drinking the drink because with the barbershop people kind of 
you know they they understand that experience you know and there's that link and i think the more links you have to the outside world and, and like an emotive world you know the 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 drink in itself becomes more of an experience and i think that's what we're doing and all the drinks kind of tend to have a story or a starting point like there's one uh, in particular that's uh, it's called a woodland martini and what we did was uh it was, it was my I, I was walking through the woods in portland oregon and it was kind of sunny and you could smell the leaves and, and the, you know, the, the, that. But as you got deeper into the woods, you know, the smells became mustier and darker and woodier. Uh, and what we've done is replicate that in the drink so that you've got these different layers of woods. Basically, I kind of got like those notes of, of the different kinds of woods, so like sequoia and, and, and pine and uh, maple and birch and stuff like that. And we put all of that in. And, and, you know, even though it's not that walk in the woods, it's, it, it's like a flavour journey through that, past the aroma. I, got, I was absolutely blown away the other week. Someone tasted it. No, this guy didn't know that story. And he said, this reminds me of being in Portland and walking through the woods, which was just... I mean, it's a one in a million chance, but, um, yeah, it kind of worked. Your job is a lot of the time creating these flavours and stories inside a small glass, but you also like run bars and set up bars. Mm -hmm. How important is the kind of smell environment when you're trying to create a space and a mood? Very. We we haven't been doing it so much um, recently, but what we used to do is we had pops, uh, you know, the stuff they put underneath the perfume counters and stuff like that we bought a whole load of those and we made our own scents to put in them um, we kind of mixed stuff up so we were like in summer we had like Cisfri Hexanol with uh, uh, I can't remember it was a, another green note the Gallenberg or something like that um, so that when you walked in it was like oh you just walked into somewhere really fresh and then, uh, then in winter we kind of used a, a kind of leathery slightly smoky note that we made and we pumped that out but because it was on the the dry wax thing it's just it's just almost just below you yeah it's almost substrata but it's not you can you can pick it up but what was really interesting with the level one is because it was pumping from the just by the the main part of the bar people would just gravitated towards the bar and wouldn't leave and the drinks they were ordering were sit down heavy brown drinks you know like old fashions and and, and manhattans that was really interesting the way that worked it you know it was subtle rather than we what we didn't want was people just walking in your face uh, walking in and getting hit in the face with with that aroma actually what started it is because we wanted to create a, almost kind of have the the, the front doors a porthole to you know a, a different period um, and to transport people and we kind of looked at what aroma and we asked tons and tons of people what aroma would transport them to another period more than any, anything else and it was uh, mothballs, camphor. So what we used to do is we used to spray the door frame with camphor uh, and so as people would kind of come in you'd get that kind of you know transportation back to you know your grandmother's linen and stuff like that. Uh, and that was that was really quite funny because it, it did, I mean even walking in the place every day was just like wow, grandmother, and then you walk in and set the tone. I think it's about the you know it's, it's the picture is it's like the film not 1950s Italian film noir. Um, so it's kind of you, you know it's how would you act in that film if you were in that film, and that's what we were trying to achieve 
in a way. hearing about some of the drinks in this program have got you desperate to try them for yourselves, you can try them for yourselves at Tony's Bar 69 Colbrook Row in Islington in North London. And the Drinks Factory blog is a great source of drink and flavour news, offering lots of creative inspiration. Lots more stories told through smell are downloadable from lifeandsense.com. 